Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Hopefully we won't be an ish show from the Fuster Cluck factory <laughs> as Rod dropped up. on us before the show. I ain't never heard that, Rod, so congratulations on bringing something new to my vernacular. That's Appreciate true. it, man. It's, uh, well, that's what right now is my life in a nutshell, but we'll very, talk about that later. We got a very dapper-looking Rod Babers with yeah. us today. Rod had some TV stuff. TV before. stuff, man. That so, uh, those of you who are fans of the intros, just go back and listen to an old show. We got no time for this week. Matt's here, Rod's here, I'm Jeff. Beautiful. Let's go ahead. This may and, be a first time ever. And uh, yeah, we'll jump right it. in. I like that. Mm-hmm. Jump right into this latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. No Rod B., uh, by the way, those of you who listen to the show and didn't uh, drop me an email or a DM or a text or a message on the site, thank you for reminding you for being reminded that we didn't have a show last week because Rod was uh, on vacation. Um, yeah, went to Montana. And it was, and, and I'm not I'm not you know mad at you guys at email, but I knew I was gonna get a couple. Of, hey, where's the blitz this week? Yep. Well, we told you Rod B was on vacation. We're gonna people don't the listen these days as much as they used to back then. Listen, listen to the whole show. Yeah, boom, the whole show. Or it might just be retention. You yeah. might Whatever. In one hey, ear and out the other. No worries. We're we we're we're, back. we apologize and we're happy yes. that you wanted the blitz that bad. Two thumbs up for everybody listening out there. But the blitz there is back go. this week. Rod, how was vacation? Really uh, quick? It was great. I was. I saw. More than 10 black people while I was in Montana for a week. Now, I was there longer than usual, but I saw one at Glacier National Park. I saw some when I was kayaking in uh, Whitefish, Montana. So I got to tell you, all my activities hanging out in one of the you know the the least populated states for black people. I saw a lot of black people. I was so going to ask you if you saw like if you saw bears or caribou or anything like that. We start talking about how many black people you saw. Yeah, actually, I did see a uh, a big a bighorn sheep and a mountain goat, um, hmm. and I saw them at Glacier National Park. And I was I had to buy bear spray because when you go in there, they recommend you buy bear spray. Before you go hiking. Okay. Is that like that Ray Lewis deer antler spray? Yeah, from like, a few well, years it's ago? like they say 30 feet away is when you're supposed to spray it when you see the bear. And I'm like, dude, if I see a bear, like I am spraying <laughs> that like and semi automatic gun. Like we need I'm to spread make... it all around everywhere. And you actually, this is a great yeah. little niche where you can use the fear of the mass population. Like for the one odd occurrence that you do get bear attacks, you don't hear it. But everybody's like, all I need is a spray and then I might not get a bear attack. So now you can sell that. Out. That's good it was business. like 40 bucks. I bought it. Damn, so, yeah. damn straight. And I left it there. So that's a racket. Nice racket. Yes. Bear spray. Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, you need, you need sunscreen to be out at the practice fields right now because Texas camp is underway. Practice five actually went down today as we record the show Wednesday Whitaker, morning. Dude? They're at Whitaker, yeah. That's so weird. I wanna so the That's first strange. the first three were at Deanie. Well, well Tom Herman did that uh last year and I Where's don't know. Whitaker if, for people that don't know. I don't even know. Intramural Fields fifty first ah. and uh, kind of fifty first in Guadalupe yeah, area, right? Yeah, it's exactly right. No, no, you're right. It's off fifty first. 
um, kind of just north of campus. Rod, so when did when in your career did things move from Whitaker to Dini? Is that like your sophomore uh, year, probably? Yeah, probably my second year. We were there. That's actually the when practice was open there? to the public back at then. Whitaker. Yeah, yeah. Herman <laughs> was there. In used to be able to go there and just watch practice, which is crazy, unheard of uh, today. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know the more. Maybe just to change things up, you just won't, don't want things to get stale. Well, Tom Herman said last year you know he wanted I mean? like, to do it to the, give it more of like a camp feel, like a training yeah, camp feel. So just to change things up. I what he what he said is. last year he wasn't anticipating was he's like, man, it's like, if you look at it, Whitaker now now that they've redone it, might be as nice as Dini's is. Uh, yeah, it's really nice. They have redone. So de- Tom Herman said definitely not the same Whitaker Fields when he was the GA. Was he was a, a shot, GA back in yeah, at the, at the practice fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the new uh, stuff. Well, everything's not modern. And shout out to Frank Dinius too. Rest in peace. Very yeah, true. We have, yeah. it's, it has been a while been since a while, we've yeah. since we've been on. And um, but you uh, you mentioned that we talk about we're talking about Whitaker Fields and practice fields. Tom Herman has said that. That's something that he's put on Crystal Conti's plate is something that, yes, the south end zone needs to get done, but Beautiful. you need to do something about Denius because of time it takes to bus over there. You need something to replace the bubble finally, which, Rod, when the bubble went up, when you were playing, it was supposed to be temporary, and that was back in, like, 2002. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's time it's time for Texas to – They need a permanent indoor facility. Yes, I uh, agree. Of some kind. So, anyway, enough talk about facilities, guys. There's a lot of meat on the bone, and, we're you know, we're not giving ourselves a ton of time here today to, to digest all of it. But let's go ahead and run down kind of some of the headline things and one that actually happened it. today – Rod, one position that I'm concerned about, I'm not worried about it, but it's a concern, is linebacker yep. because of depth. We had the DeMarco Boyd suspension, which he's not with the team right now. I probably wouldn't count on him coming back at this point, given the nature of the arrest affidavit if you read that thing. And I know everybody's innocent to have been guilty. But yeah, it, but the uh, current climate. Yeah, it, it doesn't look good. Yeah. And uh, and then we find out today that Jeffrey McCulloch, who had been, you know, he was a B-backer in the spring, he had been working at inside linebacker in camp, strained a peck. He's out for what Tom Herman said is a few weeks. Easily. He's going to miss the rest of the camp. Yeah, and probably availability for the Maryland game with uh, that thing yeah, 24 days out. Yeah, but he's got to work himself back into exactly. back into the rotation and that. I mean, we can talk about so mid, we, we can be talking about midseason before we talk about Jeffrey right. McCulloch again. So the move the Texas staff made today in practice, which was kind of my big takeaway. Makes, By the makes, way, makes I've sense. had notes from every practice. We've gotten at least a 20-minute window to every practice so far. So yeah. you want to get over to Horns 24-7 Horns and check 24/7. out those notes. I went, up uh, there the, I went, I went there this morning. I had defense I had defense today. My defensive notes are up. And the big move the Texas staff made was taking DeMarvion Overshone, moving him from safety to, to Rover. Actually Rover? moved into Rover behind Gary Johnson. And nice. we've talked about this, Rod, when you look at DeMarvion Overshone at 6'3", and I don't know what it lists him at on the roster, but I heard pretty quick in his time in Yancey McKnight's strength program, he got up to about 210, 215. I don't have the roster in front of him to see where he's listed at, but uh-huh. I heard around 215 is what he, he was at. He gain probably t- 5 to 10 pounds on that frame. And if you're 6'2", six, 6'3", six, let's say 215, Rod, you're the ideal size of a Big 12 linebacker as we've discussed. You just need somebody that's physical enough from C-gap to C-gap, and we know DeMarion Overshone, looking at his high school tape, he loves to run and hit people, and a guy that can not be a a mismatch that, a, that an offense can take advantage of, if I can talk right today. So basically you want somebody that can be a three-down player at linebacker, and that's what DeMarion Overshone, his raw skill set and his build leads you to believe he is. But, Rod, am I right to be concerned about linebacker depth? Because now – if McCullough's not there for Maryland, you know you don't have Anthony Wheeler for the first half of that game because of the targeting penalty in the bowl game. 
Man, if I'm Tom Herman and Todd Orlando, I'd be real tempted to put Gary Johnson and Malcolm Roach in glass cases the rest of camp. Um, and this is why you know guys like Malcolm Roach may end up being like the most valuable players right. on defense mm-hmm. because he's a guy that can play any number of the linebacker positions you put. Can in really that. play all three. Yeah, yeah getting back to Makes his you versatility. From thirteen to fifteen. Yeah, now. getting back to his versatility when you brought him in. Right, he can play all different positions on the front seven. Well, you may need him to play defense. The Charlie Strongstaff thought he might grow into a defensive tackle. Like, he, well, like, dude, what, to, like what Taquan I, Graham is now. I saw him now. yesterday because I was on the 48 just yesterday. I, I saw him. Dude, he is huge. Like, hmm. I don't – he looks <laughs> – he looks kind of like Puna Ford walking out there sometimes. I'm like, what the hell? Like, he's wide and big. Yeah. So, I, like, I don't know where they're going to play him. I know he's very versatile. And I know he's a lot – he's got a quick, a quick first step. But, man, he's big right now. So I think that's why he becomes pivotal. He becomes integral because yeah. where are you going to play him? You can play him at a number of spots, and I'm with you. Maybe you got to just keep him healthy until the season starts. Uh, Gary Johnson also, I put him in. Gary the, Johnson's you, in that in yeah. that category too. I think now cer- certain guys, those two guys, you already know they can play. You know what level they can play at. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't overdo it with them in camp now. Uh, now that your bodies are low, but right. now the dying package becomes. Maybe now there's even more of an emphasis on the dying package because you're so deep at DB. Like you're right. deep, especially with that 2018 class. You are deep at DB. We talk about Caden Stearns and B.J. Foster. And Caden Stearns is running with the ones. Yeah, B.J. You know Foster's I mean? running so third now, team right now behind Chris Brown. Maybe you're looking at that as something that may not be essentially your base, but it may be what you play most of the time. At least in, like, say, eight of the 12 games, and then when you have to have more of a traditional-type defense in the other, like, say, four games, and when you play more physical teams, that's where you're hoping that you have those holes filled the way Jeff was saying at the beginning, that you hope to have a guy that goes C-gap to C-gap, and it's like if you do have a deficiency, you don't want to have the same way you hear in other sports getting played off the field. You don't want to have that one hole where you get played off the field, and then you bring up somebody like Malcolm Roach, where in theory, if you look at this entire conference, you're trying to find the guy, a few guys that can play that can't get played off. And if you happen to have a few of those ones that actually, instead of being played off, give you that multiplicity that now you turn Break your tw- too. Exactly. Yeah. So, and when you see these permutations, like say there's what, 29,000 ways you can make a water burger because you start multiplying one guy at one position and one in the other. And it's the same idea. If you're looking at somebody like Breck and Hager, that say you can back up two positions, say Malcolm Roach can back up three positions. Well, that isn't just, your 12th and 13th guy, you now have six combinations there. So you, in theory, have manufactured depth and have 18 players. If one goes out, you can fill in there. And that's just where you hope those key chess pieces, like who we would say would be the queen piece or whatever, that's the guy that you can't afford makes, to lose. It makes Macklemore your most important linebacker. I, I think The most important linebacker. Right? I went into camp saying, Rod, he was probably going to end up being your most important guy in the entire front seven because yeah, of the versatility. Fully. I agree. And then if you have, say, a yeah. safety that can spin down that maybe he's out of position the way we saw Jason Hall play stuff in certain matchups and where you can manufacture depth, if you can get those or the way we first said this guy is like when we talk about Akina and his great revolutionary mind at DBs that you can cross-train your safeties and corners and your nickels to be backups there. If they can have that much talent, they all have football IQ. The IQ is the type of thing that ties those things together. It really can help you quick. I mean – I heard what it was Kyle Shanahan talking this past week at, at camp just about the little mini details involved with every position. But if you have somebody that naturally is a football guy and is able to pick those and grasp those things quickly, 
in camp when you have these injuries come out of nowhere, it's exactly what you need. So then you can sort of streamline some production until you get that one guy back in, even if it is halfway through the season. The reason why I like DeMarvion Overshone, and Rod, this is me thinking ahead to Maryland, and we can talk about this for a little bit too. Keep in mind, Maryland's got a new offensive coordinator. It's not mm-hmm. Walt Bell. Walt Bell went to Florida State, yeah. joined Willie Taggart's staff. Mm-hmm. It's Matt Canada, which if you look yeah. at Matt Canada's LSU. offense, mm-hmm. there's a lot of elements of it that will remind you really of the Brian Harson offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of yeah. motions, yeah. loves the jet sweep. Um, the, yes, a funk, the pre-snap yeah. movement of some kind. We can get, we can get, we'll get into Matt Canada's offense the closer we get to Maryland. The but guy that everybody hated at LSU that wouldn't move open the offense. People hated Brian Harson here too, by the way. No, it's the same way. He still has a great offensive mind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Watson made me take back every bad thing I ever said about <laughs> exactly. Brian Harson. Like, oh, no, I hate that offense. Like, oh, yeah, it turns out. Pretty good offense. We'll get into Matt Canada's offense later. Yeah. But, Rob, when you start thinking about Maryland, well, let me – I'm crossing points here, so let me go back we to Marvin right. Overshone. I like working him at Rover because, to me, this gets him ready for if you want to use him in that joker position because now at least oh, yeah. you get him used to seeing bigger bodies in the box, working through the trash. So then when you take him out and plop him into this specialty role, you're not necessarily asking him to do that. You're taking advantage of his skill set. But at least some of that stuff, if you decide to go with the lightning package, is your base look because you're down in personnel now at least it's not foreign to him seeing you know bigger bodies than he's seen before and, and kind of like you know like i just said working through the trash and doing everything you've got to do to be a box linebacker at, yeah. at the power five level looking at the maryland game though if you're defending this offense isn't your best base maybe more of a four-man front and then what if Ro- malcolm roach then as the b-backer is playing with his hand in the ground Okay. What do you do? And then, kind of looking out even further, does the development of Joseph Osai, who's running as your number two B backer, yeah. how important does that become? Because let's say, do you decide, okay, we'll just try the young kid, put his hand in the dirt, and see what happens, and put Malcolm Roach back at the inside linebacker with Gary Johnson. Mm-hmm. So you've got two veteran guys there. Yeah. Or do you decide, hey, we'll just take a guy like Taquan Graham, yeah. bump him out to a seven technique, yeah. and go with a four down look that way? Like there's. There's a number of different things. It's like a Rubik's cube. Yeah, there's a number you know of different I mean? like, ways yeah, Todd yeah, Orlando yeah, can, yeah, yeah. can approach it. Good too. Yeah. But you're going to have to because at least for the first half. I think it's a Quan Graham thing. You're likely, yeah, you're likely like not going to have Jeffrey McCullough, and you know you're not going to have Anthony Wheeler at least for the first half. They like Taquan Graham. Yes. And they have already tried to cross-train him because he came in as what, a DN? Yeah, he came in like a 250-pound And they played him inside for a lot of the spring, if I'm not mistaken. All right? He yeah. played inside. And now I think he's moving back to maybe DN. I think they like him playing D. Charles Amin, who's the same way. Mm-hmm. Charles Amin, who's got the body type, he's like, I can move him inside if I really want to. Like, I have that luxury. Like, if I need to do it. I don't think they want to do that with a minute who per se, but you're right. If they decided they wanted to, no, they I, could make it work. About yeah. From a, yeah, like from a, a, a Big 12 culture perspective, they could I do got, it. Yeah, I got you. And Charles Amin has played inside. If you go back to Charlie Strong and them, they played Charles and who inside a couple of times. You know what I mean? A few times. In so case I think. Of emergency. Yeah, just no, his body type. Like yeah, he's yeah. huge. Like he's just that big. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has the body type of a Big 12 defensive tackle, not an SEC D tackle. Yeah. But you can move him inside as a Big 12 D tackle and he can hold his own, especially in a NASCAR package when he's in on like third downs, like specific passing situations. And that's what Todd Orlando does. He makes up packages specifically for certain situations because he because he he has a modus operandi. He takes away the run early on. 
forces you to pass the ball early, and then he gets after the quarterback. So I wouldn't doubt. Taquan Graham, to me, is a guy you can move. You can put him in and move him inside. You can put him in and move him outside. You put him on the D-line. Then you can move Brecken Hager back or Malcolm Roach back and classify him as outside linebackers if you want to, but still basically being members of the front seven and still being D-linemen essentially that can pass rush. And then a guy keep your best pass rushers on the field in passing situations. And it keeps your defense so unpredictable perfectly. Yeah, like where Orlando. Well, yeah, so, so every that's time what they you get, do. Yeah. Like you don't to, – to, to try to just put out, oh, these are going to be our, our D-tackles and these are going to be our D-ends, like that's foolish. Yes. If I am, I start out throwing the guys like Charles Amenehu – and Taquan Graham in at D-tackle and at D-end. Then on any given defensive sub-package I have, you have no idea if Brecken Hanker's playing D-end or outside linebacker. Same thing with Malcolm Roach. Yep. And then the same thing with uh, Taquan Graham. Same thing with Charles Amenahu. That's the key to an offensive coordinator going, well, hell, man, Deception. I don't know what the hell is in there. I'm usually looking at a player that's going to give away. He's going to be a tail mm-hmm. as to what they're going to do. Nobody's a tail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have six DBs in there. If you train DeMarvio and Overshawn well enough, move him down the linebacker and basically be a, five, a nickel sub package. Like, so, that's the key in the Big 12, dude. It's unpredictability. You can also throw Marcus Bimage in there, the guy with a 700-pound squad who Yancey McKnight said is pound for pound, the strongest guy in the program at 255-260, who – is making that move from outside linebacker to now strictly playing with his hand in the ground. Now you throw Bimage in there, depending on what you get from him. You Now you can, like the combinations, like you said, Ryder Endless, and to your point, that's where they're going in recruiting. Like if you look at the it guys is. they're recruiting, and Todd, I, I got Todd Orlando to say that in the spring. He's like, yes, TQ is the guy we want. Like that is the body guy. type. We want to bring him in at like 260 and let Yancey get him to, to 280 or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you can play, play them any in any any D-line. shade up front. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, you said it a second ago when hey, talking about yeah. the culture of the Big 12, but then when you start to get into these game situations for a play caller like a guy like Orlando, just the benefit that you get whenever you know that that quarterback on the other, you gave him this look where this guy is bringing the rush, and then now you, they have total confusion that he's reading those type of keys, those tells. That's what the tape has told him they exactly. do here. Yeah. And then the tape lies you, to him. Yes. No, and it's the same yeah. when you get into he that chess match between anymore. coaches. Yeah. Yes, and then that's yeah. when Belichick he'll start throwing in looks throwing and blowouts. In random to looks. Throw. So that's just yeah. where there's so many levels you that do, you dude. can. If you're somebody like Orlando that has that as a total luxury, and then you're talking about in a conference that is so based on just get up there, read your keys, one, two, three, go, and now reads. you can use those things against, against them? them. Oh my oh God, my. it's just a dream. So it's him trying to get the right personnel in, and I mean. This is all back to the continuity that we talk about with coaching changes and, like, some good player, but he may not fit this system. And if we can finally get a continuity at Texas for a few years where coaches are recruiting the actual players that fit what they want to do and TQ being, say, the prototype of that, we start to learn about these coaches. That just means they have more information because the other rest of the conference is learning the same stuff. And as long as they stay on it, it's it's, it's a perfect setup. It's happening on offense, too. Mm -hmm. People are really intrigued, and we'll talk about it. About what Herb Hand is doing on the offensive line, and I read what you guys read at Horns twenty four seven about it. And it is that people are like, damn, I thought Calvin Anderson was a walk in starter. What the hell is going on? I look at how many guys they've already cross trained just based on what we know. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Derek Kerstetter, Ker- mm-hmm. tackle and center. You know what I mean? Denzel Okafor's mm-hmm. run both tackles. Sam Cosby's run both tackles. You know what I mean? Elijah Rodriguez is going to guard and center. Yeah. you got four guys now that you've cross-trained. You've already manufactured. Debbie. i got four guys that I can play at multiple positions. Yeah. So that's what training camp is for. you got to figure that stuff out. And listen, I know Calvin Anderson may not be the guy that some people projected him to be, but I think it's actually really good that yeah. Cosby now is ahead of him 
because you already knew he was going to be a guy that's going to be in the rotation yeah, because he had the experience and you like I like his level of play. It's be, it's awesome that now you have guys ahead of him. Yeah, yeah and, and we use the head, we use the, we use the term ahead of him. Like, no, 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 this is a good thing. Yes. This is a really, really good We use the term ahead thing. of him loosely, I think, right now. This Either early way. Camp. Yeah, exactly. Either way, we don't that's even know. great. Right. Sample size is, what, four practices. So yeah. we have no freaking idea. We're just throughout the butt. The fact he was the walk-in, start people thought he was going to be basically the Russell Ocone guy. You know what I mean? He was going to be like, yeah, for some reason he was going to come in and be Connor Williams. No, no, no. But he was going to be a guy that was going to contribute to the O-line and the rotation. And now we all agree he's still a guy that can play at that level. But now you got some offensive linemen, Cosme being one of them. Um, Denzel uh, Okafor looks Denzel damn good. Like, I know I haven't seen him hit anybody yet, but that's yeah. – you want a college offensive tackle, like that's how you draw him up Yeah, physically. like so now those guys may be in the same conversation, if not better. That's just – that's more depth on the old line. That's a – I'd rather have more mm-hmm. depth than have a guy like at the at the uh, level of play of Connor Williams. Connor Williams last year was playing at the, the level of play of a first-round offensive lineman, drafted into the NFL. And that offensive line was horrible. I was going to say, you have more yeah. depth on the O line. Mm-hmm. Go look at that 08 offensive line or, or that 02 offensive line that I played with. Derek Docker, I think, was the only NFL offensive lineman drafted from that offensive line. But go look at the depth. We had like three seniors playing on that O line. It was just guys that had experience, that had, you know what I mean, notches under their belt. I think that's the same thing with Zach Shackelford, now Patrick Vahi, now Kevin Anderson. And then you have the high achievers, mm-hmm. like the Patrick Hudson's of the world, the Denzel Okafors, the. Uh, Topia you know, Body's making a little push, yeah, like that's you know? so. I think that's better than just having that anchor that was going to come in and be the all conference player what in the I, walk-in. Yeah, start. what I think, Rod. What I t- I agree with you 100. <laughs> I think I even mentioned that on the site. I might have been in the article or on the board. I don't remember, but you know, everybody's confused. Getting like, well, who's the starting five? Who's the starting five? To me, Who cares. Like right now. what you just said is exactly what I said. Well, you had that last year where your first five in camp were pretty good. The next three. Like you're talking about either true freshmen or mm. veterans that hadn't played a lot, and some of those guys, like no disrespect, like Terrell Cooney, hadn't played a lot it's for a, a reason. Precipitous yeah. drop off. So yeah. if Herb Hand can go, and I'm not saying he'll get there, but if he can go into hell, if he goes in the first game with seven guys, he feels really good about. Yeah. That's two more guys <laughs> you felt really and good about at this time last guys year. Can play different positions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'll take that all day, every day. Yeah. yeah. And then if you talk about that, if you have a guy that maybe you came in and you know has been proven at this level, now is at a different school, but he's played collegiately at the D1 level and played quite respectable, to now have a guy like that on the team that, well, you know, right now, rep-wise, it may be more beneficial to see what these young guys can do so you learn more about these players. And then, worst-case scenario, you got that guy coming in as a part of the depth, but a right. best-case scenario – it's actually causing these other players to have a motivation to earn some playing time, and we've seen some people step up. Now, look, we're not saying this Texas offensive line is going to be like the no, 1970s no. Oakland Raiders line no. like Jim Otto and Art Shell and Gene no, Upshaw. We're not saying that. Close but if I, I, I've said this, Rod, and this is kind of my expectation for the offensive line, and I've got the bar on offense. I've still got it set pretty low. Very low. If the offensive line gets to a level where you can say, eh, they're a below average offensive line, that's several steps better than they were last year. And if you can get to average, you know, I think you're cooking with you, peanut oil at that if point. If you get to mm-hmm. average, I think then you're talking about Texas being a team that's in Big 12 contention. But mm-hmm. that just shows you how bad it was last year. Yeah, like We're talking about horrible. if you get to average, if you're just middle of the road, like you're miles ahead of where you were yeah. last year. Yeah, but I would say I did some research on how bad the running game was, and I think we've overcooked how bad the running game was. You realize I think in – 
Man, maybe it was uh, in 2014. The running game was just as bad in 2014 for Texas. Yeah. And it was just that was as the bad. L- freshman for, year for Deontay. Yeah, for me, it was just as bad in 2002. Like the running game, actually, in 2002, we won 11 games. The running game for I Texas. I got to wait to was, bring this up the one time I don't bring my media guide right. with me. The running game was worse than it was in 2017 for Texas. In touchdowns and yards and everything. Sounds crazy, but it's not. But think about that team. Think about the talent on that team. You had a thousand yard rusher on that you team. You had a thousand yard rusher. You had BJ Johnson, Roy Williams, Sloan Thomas, Chris Sims, Bo Scaife, all kind of in their prime. So my point was the running game is overcooked and how bad it was. It's all about talent and how you distribute the productivity of that talent. When mm-hmm. you had Roy Williams, it's like, yeah, I don't even damn how the running game is. Yeah. Throw it to Roy Williams and B.J. Johnson and slow Thomas Moore. Yes. You know what I mean? But because, look, you, uh, the stat you gave about Sam Ellinger, his uh, 381 yards leading Texas was the lowest total since, what, 1958? Yeah. No, no talent. Where's the blockbuster talent? In 2014, when Texas had uh, rushing totals that were comparable to 2017, nobody cared because you could see the talent. That was talent there. That was talent. You, you had you an had NFL Brown running back. Yep. Still there. Well, then like, young NFL running back. You're like, okay, I know we're capable of doing more. We're just not doing it. You had like, an NFL tight end. We didn't know it at the time. But exactly. you, the guy who might be replacing Jason Witten with the Cowboys was your starting tight end. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there was talent there. The problem last year was, honestly, you didn't have the talent. Yeah. You, you literally did not have the talent in that backfield the to create offense. game-breaking plays. Honestly, on the whole offense, I would agree with that. Yeah, you, were either, you were either really young or your veterans weren't good. Yeah. So go look at back when Texas had bad uh, running games. Like, they don't say bad run. I would say uh, running games that were subpar in terms of their productivity. You would have thought Texas in 2 they'd have had a great running game. Not really. You know what I mean? It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a great, but they had other weapons around them, and they had a marquee running back they gave the football to. So it's all about having the playmakers and the game breakers can't dive too deep. That goes back stats. to right after the K-State game when, you know, everybody was – it was like Gerard Hurd's game against Cal or Tyrone Swoop's game against OU for Sam exactly. Ellinger. Like, everybody's, oh, this is great. We're like, man, if that's the identity of your offense, that ain't going to last very long. Last. That's, uh, that's, that's, all, that's all the Texas staff had to hang their hat on last year offensively was Sam Ellinger's playmaking ability. And once again, as we say with young quarterbacks, once these defensive coordinators get some film, once they figure out tendencies, once they realize what you can't mm-hmm. do, it's, you become very easy to defend. Which that, That's why this is a crucial year for Sam Ellinger. Right. There's film on Sam now. So if Sam's going to take that transcendent step in the Big 12, this year he's going to have to break a lot of bad habits, which we expect him to do, the turnovers, the carelessness with the football, being able to run the ball in a much smarter manner, all those things. If he doesn't do that, then it's going to be a very different year for Texas. All those things we expect Sam to do if he doesn't do, mm-hmm. do Texas is screwed. It's all about – listen, that offense, you talk about how Tom Herman's got to take over the play calling. It's all about what he does. No, nah, not really. If the quarterback plays really, really well – then it doesn't matter who the hell the offensive play caller is. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the line protects him. If Sam Mellinger's playing that good. But the truth is, that's the worst. That's why Sam Mellinger's got to be the starter. Yep. Because the question mark about the offensive line Can it negates the Shane Bouchel option, in my yep. opinion. No, yeah. you're right. 100%. Because I don't even know. I can't I can't protect you, young man. Modern football. I can't man. give you a running game like you had with Deontay Foreman when you started. I can't give you that. I can't give you an offensive line. I need a guy back there literally that can make Blank out of blank. Yep. I need him to be able to make chicken salad out of chicken. You know, which what. is why, which is why, at the end of the day, if you're looking at a long term option for a, a backup quarterback, 
Cameron Rising might give you more bang for your buck in terms of the ability to make off schedule plays. Exactly. Yeah. You got to look at the. You need a Tony Romo at that's this point. Guy. You need yeah. somebody that's going to freestyle out there and 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 then if you figure out, oh, I got a running game now. Oh, I can do this. I can do that. Then you can structure the offense. But right now against Maryland, yeah, there are no guarantees. There are more question marks than answers. And Sam Ellinger can answer more questions yeah. when you have that uncertainty than Shane Bouchel can. And it ain't nothing against Shane, honestly. No. And if, if it's just straight up, if we had a running game and if Texas had an offensive line and I was looking at the quarterback competition then, i got to tell you, it's way more even than it is right now. The question marks help Sam Ellinger's uh-huh. You know, put I mean, Shane Bou- put, said in the modern game, it's yeah. just put Shane him. put Shane Bouchel on the 2013 Texas team. That team probably wins the Big Twelve. Yeah, well, you got those running backs. You got, you got two backs, yeah. you got three or three if you throw you got, Bergeron in yeah, there. You got a defense. You that, had NFL talent on the offensive yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I'm with you. And she I probably win the Big Twelve. That's the unfortunate thing. He's can't. It's just a bad, it's bad timing. You need a guy that can make off schedule plays, and that's Sam. When you said 2013, uh, saw David Esch at Night Swim at Barton Springs the other day. He was nice. just randomly hopped in. And was like, yeah, that's <laughs> I was like, I walked by him and was like, David Esch. And then this girl David was like, that's Esch. him. And he just started speaking smiling. Of, speaking, of life, speak, speaking of Lifetime Longhorns, saw Earl Thomas out at practice today. So Earl yeah. Thomas was at camp. It just wasn't Seahawks camp. It was Texas camp hey. he was hanging out to. Hey, man. They, they, I don't know what the Cowboys are waiting on. And hey, and as, right I, as I already saw on Twitter, somebody said, Earl Thomas is closer to Dallas than he they're is to Seattle. Right there you go. I don't know what they're waiting on, man. Uh, because the more they wait, the less they have to give up. They're going to wait until the last second to give it up. They're so, going to go right now. They're going to wait till then. We're talking yeah. about the offense. We're talking about quarterbacks. I, you know, Rod, when I, when I look at this quarterback battle, Right now, through five practices, from what I've seen, it doesn't feel that much different than it did in the spring. I mean, you can clearly see for the reasons we talked about that Tom Herman has every reason why he should go with Sam Ellinger, even though <sighs> Shane Bouchelle at this point, the floor is probably higher, I think. The ceiling is not nearly as high well, with and Shane and Bouchelle and as it is with Sam in Ellinger. in practice, you can't determine, let's be honest, can't determine the quarterback competition in practice. You can't. You can. I'm glad you brought that you up. Will. You can say because Sam Ellinger, his off-schedule plays don't happen in practice because mm-hmm. practice is scheduled. The yep. plays are scripted. Everything gets scripted. You can't hit the quarterback. Quarterbacks know yeah. back of their mind. Like that I can't be hit. I'm good. I'm going to deliver the football yep. in the game. You do you? <laughs> yeah. Start freaking you out get a Gar- that, Just that little, exactly that little hesitation, that half a second you hesitate in the mm-hmm. game is makes you a much different quarterback than it does in practice. So they can say what they want. It's kind of like judging a relationship uh, without having sex. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's what the quarterback competition in practice. Can I read you this quote real quick? Yeah. This is Tom Herman uh, when I was there for his press conference at the Touchdown Club of Houston. Back in May, he's talking about the quarterback race. He said the difficult thing when evaluating quarterbacks in practice is their non-contact, and so much of that position is you're going to take hits. How do you come back from that hit? How do you stand in the pocket knowing Mm -hmm. you're going to get hit? How do you avoid hits? He went on to say, I struggled. I thought long and hard this spring about one scrimmage taking the black jerseys off of our guys. I just just couldn't do it. I I couldn't live with myself if a guy got dinged up in practice. So the good thing is at least the two veterans have some game film that we know now do we know how they've improved oh. in certain areas regarding physicality of the game no we don't yeah that's Dude, a perfect I need that quote hold up can i take a screenshot of this uh, uh how about i just email it to you right email now, that Rod? quote to me that this is, is uh this is because that's, I, I to, that's 
Exactly what you're you saying. Cannot, this is Rod doing show prep the on the Chris Sims, Major Applewhite thing. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. I can't simulate pressure for you. I can't simulate when Matt Brown told the entire team before the Big 12 title game that if we win this game we're versus going. Colorado, we're going to go to the How national that affects, title. That motivates I, one. I think it's going to affect your psyche. I don't I have no idea. 85 you know I mean? different psyches. Yeah, and so exactly. And then how the quarterback responds to that in the locker room. Like, you have no idea. Yeah. So I, Rod, what email am I sending this to? Uh, Gmail. Can you, you do yep. Gmail. Rod Babers at Gmail. It literally is Rod Babers at Gmail. Yeah, that's um, easy. Dot com. Yeah, for everybody out there, you can get it too. But my, my <laughs> point is, I totally agree with that. Like, it's like, it really is like getting married without having sex. Like, and it's like, well... Everything else worked out. And she people was great. did that forever. Remember, <laughs> like, well, Man, I gotta tell you, think uh, if you got there. Well, I gotta tell you, we really well, didn't click. It, it, <laughs> we really didn't click in the bedroom. Though. I was like, well, I gotta tell you, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. That's how you're gonna reproduce. That's probably how you're gonna keep the spark in the marriage. Well, we try one more I mean, time, but then I'm out. <laughs> if the sex ain't good, I gotta tell you, going to brunch and watching movies. What did Chris Rock say? Relationships are basically three things. It's it's eating together, watching TV together, and sex. That's it. You got to make sure that two of those three things you do, you guys love each other. So whether you're watching TV together and you guys have the same interests there, that's great. Whether you are eating together and you have the same eating interests, that's great. Or whether you're having sex together. If you if two out of those three things ain't great, then you are screwed. All right? And that's Not the quarterback always. position in a nutshell. If you want to judge it all in practice, every every head coach knows that's a mistake, man. That's like getting married without having sex. You're screwed. And you bring up right there. And not just, in a good way. They, I, exactly. And you bring <laughs> you look at a situation and the way that it, it maybe affected the Sims Applewhite. And earlier in the show, I was thinking about this when we were talking about Ellinger, though, too, because this is sort of maybe the only other time I could think of something similar to the way Sims, because Sims came in being the pro kid, having expectation, and maybe feel as if he wanted yeah. to overperform. It was a different monster a for him that, that took him. Yeah. And while I was sitting here thinking of Ellinger, I was like, because a lot of last year's, you know, you talked about the freshman mistake or enforcing the ball in and I sort of saw a lot of the love of Texas football inside his play because you also have players that sometimes are just great players that are going on to play not every player goes on to play for say a school that you irrationally loved in the city that you grew up loving therefore maybe on your shoulders you feel more of a burden than other players would at that position when they come in not to say Vince Young didn't love Texas or anything but if you didn't die like the way I was born and raised in Austin there's something special about UT that I irrationally love it more so than anything else like in my life sports wise so then I've always wondered about the predicament if I were put in this situation I'd probably be the one pressing and trying to do my best and it's just interesting to think about Ellinger is truly maybe the first guy that I can remember watching that is in that situation as a quarterback now sometimes you know that'll motivate you and you'd be great sometimes it won't even matter it's just something worth pointing out especially after you go and talk about Sims in that situation affecting him differently than it may affect other quarterbacks Quarterbacks. Yeah. There, there's a lot of meat on the bone that we're not going to get to in, in this week's show when it comes to camp. Um, you know, I could talk about the some of those freshman receivers, Rod, are, are going to yeah, make a bigger you. impact yeah, than, than maybe I thought. That. You know, Joshua Moore is a guy that you know developed his body over the summer, and now I think all three of those guys. I know everybody's impressed with Brennan Eagles physically, but I mean, I just look at Josh Moore. I see the kind of athlete Alvante Woodard is. Deshaun Jameson getting some work in the Deshaun slot. Deshaun Jameson's getting those reps, and he is man. They're working him, <laughs> and he was receiver. actually today he was with uh, he was with I the agree. corners for a little bit today yeah. in practice, and spent. He's kind of gone they back. And forth. I love that they're admitting we don't know. 
about yeah. this kid. We don't know. Yeah. We're going to let him try both because we don't know. We know he's that dynamic. You know, they, they got Malcolm Epps working at X receiver, which That's I think benefits thing. him regardless of whether he sticks out there and does what oh, I think man. he does and makes the move to he's tight end. both skeezy, man, when both skeezy came you're getting him, in. You're getting him receiver work, yeah. and maybe he becomes kind of your your Mark Andrews, your yeah. Jason Morrow, Bar- that Bo- type Bo- guy. did that when he first came in. He yeah. worked with the wide receivers. I remember that. Did he really? Yeah, I remember him bragging about it. Literally, that's why I remember because he was like, yeah, bro, you know you got your boy the wide receivers because I'm a basically a wide out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, both skis for she's. Yeah. yeah. Shout out so, to Shout out to both talent. I agree with that. When you got a, a, a tight end with that upside, let them yeah. work receiver. But a, a lot we're not going to get to today, but right here in the, in the last few minutes we've got, uh, I want to get your take on Caden Stern's opening camp with the ones. This is a kid that uh, I was, when he was committed to LSU early in his career at Cibolo Steel, I went and watched him at a playoff game at the mm. Alamo Dome. And, man, I watched him go from the middle of the field to the hash to intercept the ball yeah. and was like, holy Chicago, like this kid's got Earl Thomas instincts range. for days. Yeah, he's got that. Just had ball skills, and you saw it all at that point. And then when he flipped to Texas, I'm like, man, this is this kid, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup. And mm-hmm. sure enough, he goes through spring ball. You know, injuries allow him to, to work with the ones, and he opens camp with the ones at safety next to Brandon Jones. Crazy, man. So, Rod, I'll ask you this. With a young guy back in the secondary, now, the talent, yes, is there. But two things. One, we know playing safety, especially in this conference, is not what it was back in your day. It's a totally different ball game. Yeah, number no one. doubt. Yeah, not stopping the option. But number two, do you feel better about it knowing you got two senior corners with Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis? You've got a guy in Brandon Jones who, as the year went on last year, especially those last two or three games, we started to see, okay, this is the guy that we all have kind of heard about. Now he's letting the athleticism mm-hmm. take over. He's not thinking as much. And then P.J. Locke, who's looking for kind of a redemption year in, in the nickel. But he's played a ton of football, as has Chris Boyd, of experience. as has Devontae Davis, and yeah. Brandon Jones has 13 starting games under his belt now. So all that said – you're kind of 30,000-foot view on Caden Stearns opening uh, with the ones. Number one, I remember playing as a youngster, not as young as he is, obviously, but as a a true freshman and then starting as a true sophomore. And I loved having the veterans around me, Quentin Jammer on the other side of the corner, I think Greg Brown, yeah. Lee Jackson, Ahmad Brooks playing with me as well in that secondary. Dee Dee Lewis, Everett Rawls, Tyrone Jones. Hell, I started out with Casey Hampton, Sean Rogers, and Aaron Humphrey on the. You D-line. talked a lot about Joe Walker too being Joe in. Walker. So I had a lot of veterans around yeah. me. So I just, I, I, it really was easy for me. Like I had very little to do. I think the same thing is true right now for Caden Stearns. Brandon alongside Brandon Jones, you got Chris Boyd, Devontae Davis, all veterans, seniors at the cornerback position. We talked about the defensive line, guys like Brecken Hager, Charles Amenahu, uh, Malcolm Roach, the veterans up there, uh, Chris Nelson too. So he's getting a chance to play on a defense with a lot of veteran talent. I like that in terms of his achievement level and how there's he does not that he has to do the bare minimum, but he doesn't have to carry the secondary by any means. Uh, number two. And I put this stat out there via Twitter. I think since 1992, there have been 29 freshmen or true freshmen or redshirt freshmen to start game one for Texas. Um, and he would be the 30th if he starts game one for Texas. But of the other 29, six of them are still on campus. That's mostly Charlie Strong's group. But three of the four Longhorns who were drafted in the NFL draft last year, Michael Dixon, Malik Jefferson, uh, Connor Williams all started the first game of their collegiate career mm-hmm. as true freshmen or redshirt freshmen. And I did the stats 13 out of the 23 Longhorns to start the first game. 
of their collegiate careers, a freshman or redshirt freshman, they were drafted. Uh, 11 of them ended up being All-American. Seven of them, seven to 23, ended up being consensus, unanimous All-Americans. I would just say it means you got a yes. really high upside, high ceiling, with an accelerated development rate, mm-hmm. okay, and a Sunday skill set, which usually means I think there have been four national award winners, five first-round draft picks. Hell, Shea Marins did it, and he ended up being drafted first round into the Major League Baseball draft. It just means you're an athletic kind of freak. Yeah. Right. Because the coaches, no coach wants to start a freshman, let alone <laughs> when all I've seen from him is spring practice and training camp. He won the starting job essentially before training camp. Yeah. He yeah. came in in the spring. Basically won it in the yeah. summer. What Feel the hell is that? Nobody was even doing that. They it's weren't crazy. even on campus at your age. And, and Tom yeah. Harmon did say, I wish I'd recruited 25 Caden and, and you've got a fifth-year senior, and John Bonney was backing them up. Dude. John Bonney's played a lot of football. <laughs> I mean, this guy, this guy, they have an Earl Thomas-type ceiling. I am really excited. I'll say, I'll say this, Rod, about the veterans on defense, and we'll get out of here on this note. One reason why I think you should be bullish on this Texas defense, we talk about the veteran experience. If you look at the 10 guys that return, and that's starting that number one group that have starting experience, 141 combined career starts Ooh, between the other 10 members. Basically, you're starting defense outside of Caden Stearns. That's a lot of quality football your other starting 10 have played Ooh, on defense. We should go compare that to 2014. Uh, yeah, 2014 and 2011. Manny Diaz and Vance Well, yeah, mm-hmm. and just returning that much experience, I that. was already telling Jeff. Good. I'm going to do that research. Show, how much the line movements have went in Texas's favor. It's like the most I've ever seen in my life, and I'm not exaggerating that. Like, Texas going from being a one-point dog against USC, right now, Rod, favored by four and a half points. Texas, the line in the OU game has moved a full touchdown seven points in Texas's favor. Now only a five-point underdog. Also, Pickham, Texas, TCU, now Texas five and a half points favored. That's a big movement by big money in Vegas going all in Texas's favor. And the over-under, if you like that eight and a half, get it now because it's a about to move to nine it may move later today but it's paying out like minus 135 so they're about to hop the win total up too all right we'll do it again next week more camp talk matt thanks for everything man you're more than welcome rod b appreciate the time and the knowledge anytime brother for matt fraud for everybody at the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 streaming on the horn app and at hornfm.com where you can arrive be each and every weekday from one to three on the rodcast thanks to matt you get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horn's 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.